may depart. Hi, kids. I was listening to Ryan um, speak a moment ago about no rival thrones, and and then we're singing about the unshakable kingdom of God, and I was um, just processing that he is our fortress, he is our refuge, he is our strong tower, he is our strong right hand, he is our hope, and his kingdom is unshakable. And I love that. Our kingdom is not. And I was sitting and singing that song and reflecting on our small group this morning, our Bible study as we gathered and read about what God is doing and, um, and talked about the scripture in Peter, how um, we are this chosen nation, royal people, we're a priesthood set apart for God. And I just thought, Lord, you know, I, I singing this song and yet it feels like I was, I was literally thinking my, my kingdom seems so shaken at times and, and I was just literally on the front row thinking, God, it's not my kingdom or my thoughts. It's not, uh, my ways that are unshakable. It's your kingdom. And that's why we're at the video that we just watched a few moments ago. Regardless of the circumstance, Father, our hearts are in gratitude toward you. We are, um, given for you. God, our kingdoms, they're so easily shaken. But as Isaiah 61 says, you are restoring and redeeming and working for the sake of your glory. And so it is an eternal kingdom that we rest in, that we hope in, not some vapor or mist as we pass through here. And for that, I give thanks. And for that kingdom of Jesus Christ, I, I rest in, in thanksgiving as we, as we walk out today. Not a shakable kingdom of, a kingdom of temporal circumstances, but an unshakable kingdom with an unshakable king for the sake of his glory. And so I, I'm just enjoying that moment on the front row thinking and processing. Um, I just need a, a public service announcement maybe. Everything's good. Okay. We were having some people searching for some people, and it's all good. I am uh, looking forward to the next few weeks as we as we um, venture. Really, going to have some good Christmas moments in between. But looking at this, the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians, and spend the next few weeks, um, ideally the the twenty eighth or thirtieth of December, the last Sunday in December, or maybe the first in January beginning to bring closure to a book that I hope is not closure for us, but actually an opening of the windows of heaven and the truths of Scripture as they transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, I'm seeing some Thanksgiving ideas, but I think more importantly, I'm seeing the opportunity for the kingdom of Jesus Christ to really dwell among us and practically, you know, how we how we steward that, how we wrestle with that. And I want to Begin, um, thinking about chapter four, verses two through six, recognizing that, um, that there's still some thought to be given to this, not only in this room, but as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so, before I venture forward, can I just ask God to do something that only He can do, and that is for Him to script His Word on our hearts? And so, um, as you turn in Scripture, would you more importantly turn with me to, um, the King of Glory and join me in this prayer? 
God, I pray Ephesians 1.18 for our church today. I pray that as a body gathered here, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we might see you, so that we could experience you, and God, so that we could um, we could understand the divine work, the kingdom work that you have going at all times around us. And so, holy God, I pray that you would stir and speak individually and corporately as you see fit for the sake of your glory. And God, you're you are the um, you are the author and you are the perfecter. And so, would you please step in? This is the one who writes on our hearts and just move us more toward you and toward your image. And it's Jesus' name that I pray and we hope. Um, amen. So in the fourth chapter of um, the book of Colossians, I just I want to read a few verses. And here's my thought of the day. Are you ready? You can jot this down or better yet, it's on the back of your note sheet. And I'm very confident there are some things we're going to talk about that are worthy of you pondering and asking God what to do with that. The kingdom of Christ is advanced one opportunity at a time. It's really just that simple and it flows out of Colossians 4.4. 4. And, and I, I really um, think that that simple thought can be extraordinarily compelling as we overlay it with what God is saying in Scripture that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is really moved forward one opportunity at a time. Okay, so you're not amen in that yet, but you will, I think, in just a little while as we just kind of unpack that. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6 begins here. Devote yourselves, which is always one of my favorite sentences, and I'm going to pause and I'll read the whole thing. In Acts 2, it says about the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it just goes on and talks about this great movement. And it doesn't say, have your spiritual partner devote you, or have your parents devote you, have some form of church governance devote you. Here's, I love this scripture, devote yourselves. Look, and I mean, in the heart of this room is the church moving forward for the sake of Christ. Paul is extraordinarily consistent in this. Devote yourselves to prayer. Oh my goodness. And so I just, I want to stop there, but that's coming in a few minutes. Stay alert in it. And here's a great verse for this week. With thanksgiving, at the same time, pray also for us that God will open a door to us for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah. For which I am in prison, by the way, and I don't believe that Paul is talking about since he ends this book with remember my chains. It is more than I am physically in prison. It is that my life is a bondservant or a doulos to the chains of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am in prison by that. And I will spend every moment that I walk this earth speaking that mystery so that others can know him. And I will spend the rest of eternity proclaiming the lordship of Jesus Christ for I am chained to that. And so just for that, pray for me that I will not miss this so that I may reveal as I am required to speak. I want to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity because after all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. And as I can read this in scripture, it apparently says you should be pretty, um, you should be pretty on, on point. You should be pretty leaning into this idea that every opportunity that God puts before you, make the most of it. I feel a little tension when I read a verse like that, thinking that I should wake up or I should sit in this room or I should walk out of this room and go eat somewhere thinking that there is a God-ordained, divinely inspired move of the Spirit of God that I should make the most of at every opportunity I'm given. And it's a window of opportunity and I don't wake up haphazard. 
As a follower of Jesus, you didn't walk into this room or stumble in. If you are not a follower of Jesus, welcome to the kingdom of Christ. He is drawing you here, and there is a mystery about him, and he is unveiling it to you because you didn't stumble into this room. You are here as a sovereign act of the grace of God. And so make the most of this opportunity, even as you walk toward him, not yet knowing him. For those of us in Christ... This kairos, this window of opportunity is an incredible privilege to sit in the midst of the kingdom of God and ask, what does he want to do among us? As we speak this mystery, and oh, by the way, as you speak it, your speech should always be gracious. It should be seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer each person who comes into your life. I, I love these verses. And as Paul begins to speak to us, he is just looking and saying, the kingdom of Christ is advanced one opportunity at a time. Opportunities, they are as numerous as the stars, as as beautiful as the sands and the sea. With these opportunities, here's what God does, and this is what I love about him. There will become in opportunities, and in fact, if we wanted to go back and start to mark our lives, this would be a great first step for you. There were moments when you woke up, or there were moments that you walked into that you had no idea of the spiritual marker that God would have in your life. And yet, in retrospect, as you look back, you walked into it as an ordinary experience, and God, in his divine encounter, marked your life never to be the same. No idea that would happen, and yet, there are multiple, multiple, multiple opportunities that God has for us. He is an opportunistic God and he puts them before us and many of them, unbeknownst to us, perhaps even today, will become defining moments in your life. But it's more beautiful than that because this passage is not about your life. It is about God being defined in your life and you being a person who carries the fullness of Christ with you, as the book of Romans says, and opportunities that God gives you to be gracious, seasoned with salt, moving and walking among people. God is parking you in the midst of others' lives for defining and divine moments for the sake of his glory. Make the most of those moments. Make every one of them count. And we have no idea when the miraculous of God will be wrapped in the mundane of our everyday. That felt good. I just, I don't, didn't even have that written down. I just, that felt like I should say it again. We have no idea when the miracles of God, His divine masterpiece will step in to the mundane of the day. And maybe this is even more true than that. There, there are no main mundane moments in the kingdom of Christ. Because the kingdom of Jesus Christ moves forward one opportunity at a time. How we view God and how you walked in, how you woke up this day. Many of us, if not most of us, are followers. We are Christ followers. We are Christians. We are people whose lives have been turned upside down for the sake of God. How we view God and how we woke up this morning, our level of expectancy really postures us for our opportunities. For the miraculous in our lives to just come come into view and to come into these God-ordained moments. Did you awaken today? Will you awaken tomorrow with this at heart? God, I am an awakening to the idea that you have an incredible God-ordained opportunity or more than one. You have hundreds that will pass my way. And the kingdom of Christ is moved forward 
one opportunity at a time and how we steward those opportunities are incredibly important. So I just, I want to put this out there and then I want to, one story in scripture and then three thoughts. Have you thought of this as your role in life, that you are opportunity stewards? And if you haven't, the kingdom of Jesus Christ moves forward one opportunity at a time. And according to scripture in Colossians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, that God is looking at us and saying, I have placed you as salt. I have placed you, we have called this series light because I was reading this. I was just thinking, God, you call us to be seasoning and preservative of the greatness of your name. Like Ryan was talking early in the service. Look, when we, when we see God for who he is, it's okay to clap. I don't care if you don't clap. I just want something inside of you to be crying out. God, you are great. And we love you. I don't, it doesn't matter if you express it outside or you're one of, one of my friends once spoke to me and said, uh, Mark, I want you to know, I want you to know this, that I'm like a duck above water. I want you to understand that a lot of times you seem a little bit excited and you seem like you may want me to be and that's just not me. But I want you to know as I'm swimming above the water and I, you just don't see any activity, my feet are kicking hard. Some of your feet are kicking hard. I just want you, as you come to these divine moments, to just stop and say, God, you are great. And I'm in the middle of these moments and they are opportunities to just proclaim your glory. And I am here, I am here believing this, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, we call this light because God has called us as preservatives, as people who are seizing this world for the sake of the gospel. And that we are, we are as a people, points of light for the glory of God. We are not the light. We are just people who reflect the glory of Christ. And we are, as this, this series is kind of predicated upon this verse, we are opportunity stewards. Because after all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ will move forward when you crack your eyelids one opportunity at a time. It's how we steward them. How will we just wake up tomorrow and say, holy God, I believe that there are some divine encounters coming my way because you are God, you are moving in this world, and I must join you in your work. I, I, I've told a story, I think. I don't recall if I've shared it here or not. I was reading a book by a guy named Mark Batterson, and he just tells a quick story of opportunity. It's found in the first chapter, or the second chapter of the book of Samuel, verses 23. And, and I, I want to read, I don't know if it's coming up on the screen. Second Samuel, chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. I see this as such a good stewardship of opportunity, and it's such a weird verse. And I'm actually getting there. I should have marked it. I love this because it's talking about a guy, Beniah. And it says about him, he's the son of Jehoiada. His family heritage is that of a valiant, brave group. He's from Kabzeel, a man of many exploits. And, you know, it kind of tells you about him. He, he's killed a couple people, Aaron and Moab. And he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And there's a guy who's kind of read that. And I was reading his book one point, And I just thought, you know, how you can kind of see a scripture and just go, wow, this is a pretty opportunistic guy. And if we're going to sit around and think that we're opportunity stewards and we're going to talk about this in some ethereal realm, what does an opportunity steward look like? I, I don't know your reaction typically outside of the Jacksonville Zoo when you bop, uh, bump into a lion. You just read this verse in light of that. What is your t- typical reaction? Here comes a lion. Here I am. He's not in the pen. 
I mean, literally, we stood around with our Bible study group a few months ago, and we sat right near the lion, and he was like three levels caged, and I still felt a little awkward. And my kids, his tail came out of two of those, and my kids were trying to reach down and grab his tail. And I was getting a little bit skittish on that, much less standing in the midst of, of, of live nature. Here's a lion. What's his response? Yeah, I mean, like... This is a 300 moment. This is a gladiator moment. This is a, here we go, you know? It's just like, this is insane. I don't know what your answer is. I am probably either going to lie down and curl up into the fetal position in hopes because I'm not going to run because a lion runs at 30 miles an hour and can leap 30 feet at a time. I know that because we were lifetime members at the Gulf Breeze Zoo and they have spots at Gulf Breeze Zoo. You can go and they'll challenge you to stand on one marker and jump. And so you're, our little family's done that many times. And we stand and jump and you walk down and you see how different animals. And then you're just walking to go see the wild prairie dogs. And somewhere like 30 to 40 feet into your walk, you look down and they, they tell you, here are the lion paws, by the way. There are none within 25 feet of these guys and you just have this perspective all of a sudden of oh my goodness and so I'm I'm thinking that this is a crazy moment and yet here's what it says of Benaiah he looked at the lion and he chased the lion that in and of itself is pretty amazing and he would never have caught the lion because he's not fast enough but apparently the lion fell into a pit and for me that's enough if you chase a lion and it falls in a pit I'm high-fiving you I mean, I'm just going, wait, that's, you're awesome. But then, he, you know, if you were in a movie theater watching this, you're just seeing him walk away. He's a little bit like John Wayne in this moment. You're just watching him walk away. There are clinking with his feet. I mean, you know, his boots are just chink, chink. And you're just thinking, wow, he's so. And then you turn around and go, no, he's not about to do what I think he's about to do. And with this great roar and this great move within him he takes off with his spear and he dives into a pit with a lion and by the way it was snowing and I, I i just enjoy thinking about that thinking god as i walk about in the heart of the tribe of the lion of judah it looks to me like this guy benaiah and many of us in this room as opportunity stewards are sitting around saying this we know our god and we know that, we know that people around us are, are surrounded by that which wants to devour them. And as a people who walk about with graciousness and as points of light and as stewards of the gospel who speak into these, we have already deeply come to know the lion who is the king of glory. So these small g gods that are around us, we will chase them into the pit and we will make the most of the opportunities graciously slaying them for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is advanced one opportunity at a time. And what in the world compels a guy to take on an animal that, that is, is, runs 30 miles an hour and jumps 30 feet? I think he understood that an, an animal, if left to go free, could slay his entire village. And he wasn't willing to allow his village to decease at the risk of his own safety. And I wonder what we're willing or not willing to do as opportunity stewards when we understand that those around us apart from Christ are perishing. I wonder what we miss in this concept of opportunity stewardship. People that are normal walk away when they're faced by a lion.
but people who are normal in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I mean, normal, wide-eyed, woke up this morning believing that God had God-ordained things in, in play for us, that he is moving and living and acting in this world. When we see lions, we give chase. And we'll run them into a pit, and we'll go into the pit. I want us as a church to wake up every day and believe that the Lord God is with us. I want us as a church to wake up every day and believe that God is moving in this earth, which is more important than he is with us. And that he has called us, as scripture says throughout here, it's actually over in Colossians, the fourth chapter, has literally called us to steward these opportunities with grace, with strength, and with hope. And he is just looking at us and saying, I want you to step in to every day prepared for the opportunity that God has for you. I want this fellowship to make the most of every opportunity. I want us as, as, as a people of God to give chase, to chase small lions, to chase small gods, to run them out for the sake of the bigger, beautiful picture of the glory of Christ. So what about you? What do we do with this? How do we wrestle with this? And I just wrote down three things in your notes, and you feel free to, to wrestle them out with the Lord as you see fit. But I believe that, and I've already mentioned this, I believe that God has called us, biblically I believe that he has called us to opportunity stewardship. For after all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. And he has called us, to, as I've already been all over this verse, but I just want to read it again, so that I may reveal, as I am required to speak, I want to walk in wisdom, in Colossians 4 verse 5 says, toward outside, outsiders, and I want to make the most of every single opportunity because I'm waking up today just believing that God has put me in this earth, on this planet, in the realm that I am for the sake of his glory, and I must steward that. Do you see yourself? Be super practical here, and I don't know how to get more practical in this because I think we could start talking specifics then. But I, do you see yourself when you cracked eyelids today as a steward of the opportunities of the divine? Did you wake up today? And if not, I hope that this will be scripted onto your heart that God has looked at you and said, so that you could stand in the midst of a lost world and be the gracious seasoning and the light of Christ so that you could do that. Make the most. You shouldn't have a moment of your life that you're not sitting in the midst of the mundane thinking a miracle is happening. And just wondering, God, how are you, how are you going to define this moment for someone for your glory? And that, we, we never know in those defining moments, but we're just sitting on edge, eyes wide open, thinking, God, if you would use me this day, for the sake of your glory, if you would allow me to steward these opportunities well, the kingdom of Christ, after all, is advanced one opportunity at a time. The scripture, I just jotted down some notes. The scripture doesn't qualify how many or how few opportunities we're going to have. It just says, make the most of them. What you do with that opportunity, what opportunities you gain, when God gives you opportunity to step in and stand in for his sake and his glory, that is a gift from him. How you steward that, that is a gift that you give back to your king. 
Are we opportunity stewards just simply saying, Lord, help us to, to gain the opportunities that you have, to glean them for your glory. The word translated from the Greek opportunity is kairos. And I love that word because it, for me, I don't know what it reminds you, it is a prison ministry that I've been a part of where I just walked in and said, in this window of time is what it literally means. In this window of opportunity where God has placed you, and oh, by the way, he's not surprised as where you are. We used to speak into these men's lives. Where God has placed you, What is he wanting to do with you? And I have watched men who, like Paul would say, I am in chains, become men who are in chains for Christ. And their lives were given for the glory of God. And literally revival sparked and moved in the midst of some of the toughest places. And then just take us out of the bondage of of a prison cell and put us into bondage to Jesus Christ in these windows of opportunity. Are we as a people steward them, stewarding them? There isn't a day that you won't wake up without the privilege to love someone with the, with the agape love of Christ, with the perfect love of Christ, to serve people for the sake of his glory, to serve your family, to move people forward. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what we are doing with the opportunities that God has given us. Because after all, we are opportunity stewards and the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. And in these windows of opportunity, what is God? What is He wanting to do with us? How do we present ourselves? And here's what I've, here's what I've personally experienced in opportunities. Opportunities don't happen at the most opportune times. Opportunities are inopportune. They are, they are inconvenient. And they are realities. And the Lord is often saying, I am wondering, oh, steward of opportunities, if you will disrupt your personal conveniences for the sake of the kingdom through which I move and live and have my being. Because what I'm asking for you is not convenient. It is not opportune. And it will actually cost you. So how how are you stewarding that? Benaiah, as I just go back to him, could have been extraordinarily prudent. The church is filled with prudent people. And he could have been extraordinarily prudent. And who would have blamed him? Go back to the village and there's a warning! There's a warning! There's a lion out there! It's prudent! Smart. But not all opportunities come gift wrapped and not all of them are safe. They're not all risk less. And in fact, most of the times and not all, but I, I just go through scripture and I didn't prepare these notes, but I just, I go through scripture and opportunities are like 900, nine feet giants. They are seas that are not parted yet twice over. They are hungry people as you lead them into, into moments. They are, uh, they are 850 to 1 odds. And over and over, I see the people who walk with God throughout Scripture. The odds are stacked against them, and yet they walk because the lion of the tribe of Judah is the one that they worship, and they recognize that the kingdom of Christ moves one opportunity at a time. So if that means that I step into the flood stage river, I step in. If I sweep away, I sweep away, I'm with God. If it parts, it's God. All God, all glory. It's an opportunity. It's a window. Here we go. God's glory. I steward this for the sake of his name and I'm not necessarily always prudent. It doesn't mean you're imprudent. It just means you walk with Jesus. In fact, let's get on to that. It is Benaiah sees divine moments. And I think that, I think that just plant this seed and I like this thought. Plant this seed and you, you take it as you will. Benaiah's first moment wasn't chasing a lion. There are multiple mustard seed opportunities as his faith was developed and grown prior to this moment. 
And if opportunity stewardship is important and you're making the most of them, it probably just began at some point in his life when he took one more step toward God. And at this point in life, his step toward God was to say, God, I have seen you so faithfully move in my life. And I am wondering how God has developed and is developing your faith. And you are stepping into these mustard seed moments. Some of you are sitting around going, I don't even know what a lion would look like. I'm just asking you if you would wake up tomorrow and speak to the Lord and say, God, I think you have opportunities coming this day. And I believe what, what this scripture actually says, much less my pastor is not even important. I just believe your scripture says the kingdom of Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. I want to be very faithful with that. And so, Lord, will you just give me a first step today? I'm game. Because I want to steward this well. And how do we steward it well? I think it's answered with scripture. This is what I love. Colossians 4, 2 just answers it for us. You don't have to sweat this. You don't have to come up with it. In fact, if you're trying to generate God-sized opportunities, they're probably not from him. Because he just simply says in Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in thanksgiving. If you want to know how to join God at work, you got to get to know him. If you want to steward opportunities, you steward them through prayer. And I love this. Devote yourselves. Devote ourselves to prayer. We're devoted as the body of Christ. I mean, we're literally sitting around saying, God, I wonder what you want to do in my heart and my life. And I want to discover that in prayer. And God, I wonder what you want to do in the heart in the midst of our church. And we, ourselves, yourselves, we together are going to discover that only as we are, as, as Jesus says, Oh, Father, allow my church to be a house of prayer. I mean, it's really neat to me in this past week that our, our deacons are beginning to prayer walk this place. And they're just prayer walking this campus and prayer walking place. And we're going to, we're going to really in January and February start to talk about not just prayer walking our campus because God doesn't reside here. That's what's beautiful about him. There are, as he said in John, the fourth chapter, there are no places that are going to hold me. I mean, I'm going to move and breathe and worship and live among you. I mean, we're going to, we're going to start challenging prayer walking our neighborhoods and prayer walking this area and prayer walking and saying, God, we want you to move. And we know that we can conjure something and it might be pretty cool, but it is not an opportunity from you. The only way we'll know of your opportunities is when we are a people who are devoting as ourselves, as a group to prayer for the purpose of your glory. If you want to steward this well, the, the Old Testament picture of prayer that's really connoted here is a watchman whose role is to sit and look toward the horizon and to say, God, move. This I read this many years ago, and I don't even know who said this, but this is what I'm praying. This is what I prayed for myself based on Ephesians 1.18. Open the eyes of my heart so that I can see you, Lord, because he says this about watchmen. He says, watchmen see things before others see them. They see further than others see. And they see things others don't see. And here's what I get out of that, is that if I'm not seeking God's face, and I am not about Him, and I am not wrestling with Him in prayer, I won't see things that I currently don't see. I hope that made sense. I won't see further than I currently see. And I want to see things before. I want to see things. Here's what I want to do. And this is my my prayer since I read this eight, nine years ago. God, I want to see when you move the moment you move. And that is not about me, that is about him. I want to be so tuned to your grace that I am stewarding what you do well and I am devoted to prayer and when you move, I'm already on go. That's the prayer of our heart as a church that we see before others see. We see further and we see things. That could be Ephesians 1.18 if you want to write that down and begin to pray this. 
People who live in prayer mode see opportunities that others don't see. Man, you should write that down. Those who aren't praying are opportunity blind. You just ponder your life and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you see fit. But listen to that again. Those who apparently, according to Colossians 4.2, who are not wrestling with, praying, pouring out their heart before God will unequivocally be opportunity blind. You won't see it. What I would cry out if I were in this moment is, oh God, may it never be. May we just see you. Prayer puts us in a proactive posture. The Greek, the heat, the Aramaic word, let me run through all the scripture language. The Aramaic word is to literally set a trap. And here's what we're saying. God, we don't want to miss any of your words. We don't want to miss your activity. We're going to trap what you're doing. And say, of course, you can't do that. But God, we want to trap that and put it into our hearts. We want to live and move with you. Oh, God, we want to hear. I love um, the Old Testament scripture that says, Father, I don't want a word that you speak to hit the ground. I want to catch every word because I am discovering in prayer that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. And I don't want to miss an opportunity. And holy God, please don't allow me to be blind to them. Open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear. I think that Benaiah, as he walked along this journey, and some of you are prayers, and let me just challenge you with this. As Benaiah walked along this journey, I believe fully that he learned he is one of David's 30 men and he was really battling to be one of the three he was in he was deeply in the core of people that that walked with the Lord and walked in in significant places of influence and and David as you know is a man well known as a God after as a he's not a God strike that as a man after God's own heart and I love Psalm 5 3 and I believe Benaiah learned from him. Listen, listen to what David says in the fifth chapter of Psalm verse three. It says, Oh Lord, hear my voice. In the morning, I lay out my hopes for you. And here's what you should, here's where you should be. And I wait in expectation. God, I am going to wake up on Monday morning and I am going to pour my heart out for you. And I am going to wait in expectation. And I believe Benaiah was prepared in that moment to step into the miraculous, not because of anything that he had done, but because he had learned from David to wake up every morning and simply say, Holy God, here is my heart. Here is who I am. Here is what I want to be about. And God, I am expectant of what you were going to do today. So that by the time the lion came strolling up, he was not surprised. He was already on go. When our prayer life is inactive, you and I will sit in this room and our expectations will be extraordinarily low. If you walked into church today in the middle of the gathering of the New Testament church and you walked in with limited expectancy, I would submit to you that you are most likely not walking with God. Not asking, questioning whether you know him or not. That's not the question. It's saying this. If you can walk in the middle of the body of Christ and have low expectation, if you're walking in the middle of this and saying, I'm bored, I'm restless, I don't know what to do. Oh my goodness. You have a lion chasing God. 
You should get to know His heart. He has opportunities for you. And they are moving about every single moment of every day. And the kingdom of Jesus Christ is unleashed one opportunity at a time. For the sake of His glory. In a sense, Benaiah's story was unplanned. But don't think for a single moment that he was unprepared. He just, it, was, it was go. And I just put, devote yourselves to prayer. It, op- it opens the door for vision opportunity. And then the section that I want to unpack a little bit more because it cannot do justice today, and I knew that before we walked in the room, is just that the gospel is what we long to prevail among us. As we're praying, it seems to me, as I read this, that opportunities are important, that prayer opens the gate for them, and the purpose of opportunities is for the sake of the gospel. It's just that simple. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the mystery that has captured my heart and brought me into chains. And I'm going to speak this mystery in the middle of that. And I, I, I love this. Our role, here's your role. So if you're walking out going, so what do I do today, pastor? Because I know you're going to probably get to this seat, seasoning salt and all this kind of stuff at some point. So what do I do? Here's, here's your role. Your role is to pray, prepare, attune your heart, learn his voice, expect things from him, and recognize that the kingdom of Jesus Christ moves forward an opportunity at a time. We're, we're as a church just kind of looking at one another, and I don't know what you could do with this, but I don't think this is another call to have a nightly prayer meeting. I believe that it is a call as a church to look at one another and say, we're going to miss it if we're not praying together. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss the opportunities that God has for us. And after all, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is moved forward one opportunity at a time. And what we should be praying is this, verse 3, at the same time, pray that God will open the door for the message to speak the mystery of the Messiah. Whoa! Are you kidding me? God, we pray this. Maybe the most painful verse that I read in Scripture is Jeremiah 46, 17. It says this way. It's a, it's a horrible verse. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is a loud noise. He missed his opportunity. He had tremendous influence, position, and possibility. And it says, Pharaoh, who is... The king of Egypt is a gong that has done nothing for eternity. But he basked in himself as he walked through this earth. He ruled. He had wealth. He had influence. The resources of the kingdom. I look at that and I begin to pray for us. Just, just some things. God has placed Mandarin Baptist Church in the heart of a city of refuge. A sanctuary for people from all over the world who are seeking hope. Have you ever just paused and said, God, I'm so thankful for that. God has placed Mandarin Baptist Church in the fastest and most rapid growth area in Jacksonville, Florida for more than 25 years. God has placed leadership in this church from as broad-ranging places as a Florida Baptist children's home where I heard this week Jerry Haig talk about 
full-on international care for the orphan to, to the International Learning Center was birthed out of this church to a staff member who is preaching right now beside us with World Relief to friends who have taken in their hearts and their lives to Cabaret Haiti to a mom and dad of a children who for 27 plus years have invested their life in seeing in a mushrooming ministry in Guatemala. God has done amazing things. He has provided us with land, facility, and opportunity. And the kingdom of Jesus Christ is advanced one opportunity at a time. And so sitting among a group of people who are surrounded by a dense group of people and not dense as in, that sounded bad, didn't it? The density and number of people who desperately need hope. As we sit in the midst of this, I would open my hands and heart and begin to ask God, how do we steward the opportunities you have given us as a church for the sake of the gospel? And God, we're going to pray until your spirit falls among us and until you show us how to steward it well because we don't have good ideas. But we're pretty sure you do. And those that don't pray, there'll be a gong. God forbid, because the kingdom of Jesus Christ moves forward one opportunity at a time. And in this moment, we have the opportunity to wrestle with this scripture and to ask the Lord what he wants from us for his glory. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being